Enough already. When you've had enough of not feeling enough, come here to connect to your knowing that you are more than enough. Hello, gorgeous souls, and welcome to another episode of Enough Already. I hope you're enjoying all the juiciness that's coming to your heart and your ears. Today, we have the glorious Vanessa Beecham, and we're talking oh, we're talking about an incredible soul who's willing to just sit on the edginess of life and um, and bring in revolution, but a revolution that begins at the home, talking through parenting, natural learning support, raising free people, and reimagining motherhood is the glorious, ecstatic mother, Vanessa. Welcome. Thank you, beautiful. What an intro. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so good to have you here. You know, when I think of your energy and I think of your presence in my life, I think of a fireplace that is warm but also fiery and rich and fierce in its uh, placement here on earth and in its role, in its role of bringing texture and fluidity and courage into the human experience. That's what I think of you when I, I think of Vanessa. And so what do you think of you when you think of yourself? I actually love that because that's essentially why I named my business what I did. You've literally just encapsulated my whole kind of um branding behind the name which was weaving hearth weaving the hearth back in and the hearth being both the place of you know that soul nourishing food giving quiet gentle place in the home but also yeah the spark of life the like the boldness the braveness the courage the the thing that keeps us kind of inspired and especially as a mother um full of pleasure and desire as well like that's been a huge part of my life of my life and my work just um yeah remembering that 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 piece can't be just kind of dampened out yeah because without it it's, it's really um yeah without it I find that's where a lot of mothers kind of stumble when parenting gets hard when we're not nurturing that inner flame for just ourselves and I feel like yeah the rest of it gets really hard yummy how do you nurture your inner flame oh I have go-to things some of them are really simple and basic like walking in nature with my daughter that's always like that always shifts my mood straight away because we just laugh a lot and we're just silly together, which is really nice. It's really nice to have that connection with her. Um, you know what? And at the moment I don't have this and it's really irritating me, but a bath. A bath is like my absolute go-to. I would have baths every day. At the moment our bath's broken. That is a huge piece for me, just being able to lie in that bath. Mm. Um what else do I do? Dance, dance, movement, putting on some music and having a dance. That always shifts my mood. That nurtures that inner flame. Um, and I find the baseline stuff's really important. And then I can move into more like pleasure practice, you know. But yeah, the baseline stuff needs to be done first. Yeah, I so hear you on that. 
And I wonder, what does ecstatic motherhood mean to you? Yeah. So I think I did a little post on this recently because I think ecstatic, people get a bit confused because it's like, well, ecstatic. I mean, God, motherhood, we're not always happy and joyous and like, you know, in our bliss. That's part of it. But ecstatic, when you break it down, there's a level of lunacy to it. So like, you know, you're kind of on the edge of expansion and just altered states and sometimes almost to the point of madness, but then also so expanded and open to the joy and the love and the intensity of life. So for me, that's what ecstatic is. It's Mm. all of it. Encapsulates all of it. And how did you find yourself becoming an advocate for and a messenger for this ecstatic mothering motherhood, this revolution that begins in the home through the mother, through relationship? How how did this become? Yeah, it's it's something I actually kicked and screamed against for years. Like I was like, no, I'm not doing that. So I remember years ago because I came more specifically from the sexuality industry and um, working with clients, you know, with some therapy, but also working specifically specifically on sexuality, both men and women. And I had my two little kids already and, you know, obviously I was on the path of connected parenting to a degree, but not, you know, I never thought of myself as an advocate for parenting or an advocate for, you know, doing things differently with our learning and it just kind of happened you know we'd always said to the kids if you want to leave school you can leave school if you know if anything happens and you want to homeschool you can homeschool but it was one of those things that we said we never thought it would happen Hmm. we never thought it would go down that path and when my oldest turned nine he actually asked and we kind of went oh shit we need to actually follow through with this. And so we followed through and it was interesting because we had a few traumatic things come up throughout the period of us starting to homeschool. A few big intense things in our family happened and it sent um, me on another path of really delving into wanting to support my kids through trauma and I found a way parenting and that was kind of my way in and I started implementing that and noticing all these huge changes. And as I started implementing that, I then landed into the radical unschooling realm. I found Dana Martin because we were trying to implement homeschooling and it wasn't working. It was just it was just turmoil. We were just frustrated with each other and I was trying to force my kids to do things and it just felt yuck. It just didn't yeah. feel good. And, you know, my kids are quite, I guess, um, strong in their sense of self and so they were very confident in saying, no, I don't want to do this. So I was like, how can we do this more joyously anyway? And then we found Dana Martin through Radical Unschooling. And then in that process, I was like, I had this epiphany where all the things that I'd learned in the sacred sexuality industry and around this, you know, helping clients decondition back to themselves and back to their sensual and sexual selves, I was like, this parenting model is the missing piece that links the whole thing together. Wow. It just felt like I took I took the tantric stuff and made it an actual lifestyle with family. It really felt like, yeah, a a huge missing piece for me. And 
then from that space, I think I always had one foot still in the other world and one foot in the parenting stuff. And I kept trying to decide, what am I doing? What am I here for? What am I offering? And I kept having people reflect to me, oh, yeah, you're just, you know, like doing the sacred mama stuff, like the the mama-based. And I kept thinking, no, I'm not doing mama stuff. Like that's not me. So I, that's where I was kicking and screaming. I was like, I'm not doing the mama stuff. I'm like the saucy goddessy like women and their pleasure stuff, the juicy stuff, you know. <laughs> so I kicked and screamed. But then eventually I just kind of realized that actually this is me and this is my life and this encapsulates much more of who I am than trying to stay one foot in kind of the maiden realm, essentially. I was trying to stay in my maiden, you mm. know, and not accept, yeah, the mother space. So. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, I think sometimes it's sort of also what I'm hearing is a reflection of your radicalness, really, because in a sense, it's radical to embrace something that you're kind of kicking and screaming against and actually just to sit in it and reinvent it so that it feels relatable to who you are and all the tools. No one can tell you you're in the motherhood realm, you know, or that you are a homeschooler. What I'm hearing is the revolution is make it apply to who you are and the way you express yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the main thing, I think, with with the work I do with mothers. I mean, of course, I've got a toolkit of things that I offer around, you know, what you can do, but ideally it's about them tuning, you know, stripping away all the other stuff and getting back to who they are and what's true for them and what mm. are their values, what what are who are their kids? Because I'm I'm not in that home. Yeah. And I can't tell them, you know, what's right for them. So yeah. Yeah, and when you do strip it all back, what is the essence of mother to you? Mm, well, that's a good question, Kelly. Ugh, what is the essence of mother? I mean, I can look at it on a very metaphorical level and think about, you know, the great mother. And there is that element then with the great mother that there's always more love. I know that was actually a really big fear of mine when I went to have my second child. Me and my husband both we were like, how are we going to love this new thing, this new human, as much as we already love our first? Like, there's just, it's just not possible. I just don't think my heart can open like that. And, of course, when you have a second, it just, it's like just, you know, 100 times over, it just re-expands and reopens. And so there's an element of the mother that's just this ever-expanding capacity for more and more love that I feel like is really true, but not in the stifling sense of, because also we're human, right? Mm. There's the human. Sometimes that can be really stifling, like you're just the nurturer and you've just got to nurture everyone and that's all you are. And I feel like a mother's so much more than that because we are human as well and we do have our human you know, needs and desires and all of that. But Definitely when we soften into um, the role of mother, I do feel like that heart expansion, it's almost like a spiritual practice. I feel like mothering is a spiritual practice Yeah, that really just can take us deeply into our own stuff mm -hmm. but also just take us into these expanded states of bliss, of just the mundane you know, simple things of tending to kids and, mm. you know, being with the sunset, like you mentioned earlier, Kelly, you know, yeah. that's, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I wonder, how can the home be a place of revolution? Mm. Well, I mean, first we've got to look at revolution. What what does revolution even mean? Because I think sometimes they think it's like guns and bombs and fighting and you know yeah of course in history it can be like that sometimes it entails a bit of a fight um but essentially I mean anarchy at its root is really just the freedom for each Mm -hmm. person to be themselves yeah and I feel that it's extremely revolutionary to kind of go against the grain a little in in giving your children the freedom to fully be themselves. Oh yeah. Um and and that can look peaceful, not not like guns and riots and crazy chaos. <laughs> it's like that's more peaceful in the home. It's um not always easy. I won't yeah. say that, but yeah. it's it's definitely once you all find your rhythm and your flow, which is going to look different for each person, each family, um, yeah, I just, it's its peaceful. It mm. is peaceful. There's a peace there. And what do you imagine when, what do you imagine your children, this is, I don't know how mm. I'll go explaining this, but it's something I wonder. Here we go. I'll, I'll start with a story and it will end with a question. So I feel and sense with my own story and life that there was a reintroducing myself to myself and a re-embracing and a re-understanding of how I see the world, how I receive the world, how the world receives me in my 20s because I had been indoctrinated into a way of seeing the ways I don't work. And so in the 20s, in my 20s, I had to, um, through a, a nervous breakdown, kind of piece myself back together into a way of saying, wow, there are incredible ways that I do work. It's different to the ways I've been shown I should work, but I actually do work in these wondrous ways. And so what happens when you have a natural learning environment where you're raising free people? What happens for them in their 20s if they don't need to do that part? Yeah. I think about this all the time and I think often when people come to this lifetime like they want the guarantee because I feel like they think that in the school system there's a guarantee that they're going to get to X place. Yeah. This is a bit of a side note but, you know, in this lifestyle there's this sense of like well, where's, you know, what's going to happen when they get to this and, and there's no guarantees. We don't actually know. We don't actually know. We can look to other unschoolers who've gone through the process and they tell beautiful stories and it's great to lean into that because it is really inspiring. I think Pamela Rikia does a great mm-hmm. doing, which you probably know about, which is great. Sometimes she interviews these grown unschoolers. Yeah, but I'll put I the link in the show think, notes for those that are interested in listening. Yeah, good idea. Because um, that can be settling when, we, when we're leaning into those fears. But I personally believe what you just explained um, is true in that I don't feel like our kids will have that same um look I still believe that they live in this world and they're gonna come up against things I mean yeah. we don't know what's going to happen we don't know what kind of uh, you know experiences they're going to have and they might still have their many little breakdowns 
but I feel like they're not going to be, there's not going to be this deep search. I feel like for most of us in our, you know, because um, I know we're similar age, Kelly, we're, we're just so busy searching for ourselves, finding ourselves. We spent so much time f- trying to find ourselves and understand who we are, and I really don't think that's going to be there for our kids. Yeah, What they're going to be searching and finding for maybe as they get older is more like um, not so much themselves but just what they can do in this world. Mm. Um, and I feel like we're at a crunch time where that's going to be so needed, less focus on self-development more focus on external like how can I serve this world to the best of my capacity because the world is in turmoil there is a lot of stuff coming to a head right now mm. so we really need people to be able to have that yeah that external yes. connection with outside themselves yeah it's yummy it makes me think that they can get on with thriving and not be afraid to thrive that's where I'm like, I'm excited for them because there's still going to be a rite of passage, which happens as we develop. You know, I still watch my children go through a rite of passage, but their nervous system is in a different state. And so there's an elevated rite of passage, a more consciousness, a more awareness that I am moving through something and I can be articulate about that. And it doesn't have to make it uh, doesn't have to mean anything about me. This is actually, I'm yeah. equipped for this. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Mm, yummy. So you have a membership called Revolt. Talk to us a little bit about what that is and how that became something you offer. Yeah. So this has been going on for a year now, over a year now, actually. Um, and it began, I mean, I did a year, so so going back to my earlier story of moving into working with m- more moms and shifting my focus on what I was doing um, in my work, I went and did a year-long mentorship with Dana Martin, who was the person that I kind of was introduced to the whole radical unschooling philosophy with, and that was brilliant. So that was essentially to become then an advocate of this life, and it was a slow process. So I did the year mentoring and then I kind of just, it really helped me integrate everything that I was doing in the home and 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 um really embedded the philosophy in me a lot deeper than what it had been prior and then it was a process to then yeah integrating and then stepping into speaking about it more online and letting people know what I was doing and then I just decided yeah I would I would offer support for other mums because one of the things that I loved the most in that mentorship was we had this weekly gathering where mums would come together and we'd all just share what was going on in our homes and then, you know, have the support of Dana kind of guiding us through any questions that we had and any concerns we had. And to me, that was life-changing in terms of implementing this lifestyle in the home because mm-hmm. you can feel so alone. Mm-hmm. You can feel so alone. Um, and... Yeah, so then revolt was what was birthed out of that out of that um, experience, and at the moment it's kind of just shifted a little bit. We were doing weekly calls, but mums being mums, we're busy, so we've shifted the group coaching calls now to fortnightly. So we have one group coaching call a fortnight. It's off social media, um, and there's like there's a group on Mighty Networks that people can be in as well. And then we do so we do that once a fortnight but then I implemented once a month as well in between the fortnightly ones so essentially we have one week off 
and then three weeks in a row. Two of those are group coaching calls and the one in the middle is like an embodiment process. So that's where I've kind of weaved in, you know, supporting them with their nervous system, supporting um, them to expand into more pleasure and to just to be in the body. And mm. yeah. So and what do you mixture of that and then every now and then yeah. so once a no, quarter, no, go. We'll, yeah. do, we'll do a planning session as well. Mm, that's so good, juicy. Yeah. And so what do you get by supporting other mothers in this revolution, but also in the lifestyle that you're now leading with radical unschooling? Yeah. It's interesting because if I'm feeling flat or if I'm feeling slightly off and I've got a client session or I've got a, a group coaching call, I come out of that space revived, refreshed. So for me, that's what it gives me. <laughs> like 100% if I'm ever doubting myself or like what am I doing or where am I going or I'm feeling mm. flat, that is like always my juice, being able to support other mums, seeing their faces light up, knowing that, they're feeling supported and they're not feeling alone, knowing that anything they bring to the table, no matter how taboo it is, because yep. that's a big part of my work. Always, I've always kind of drawn in the taboo. So, you know, mum's sharing things that they don't share with anyone else. Like I just feel like that's such a privilege for them just to be themselves because I feel like we walk around with so much armour, so much pretense, so much masking around what's really going on behind closed doors um, because we're just trying to get it right and kind of give off this picture of perfection. So so those groups are great for that, not only for me feeling nourished about supporting others, but for me, because I'm always very honest too in those spaces, but for me also just to be myself and share my stories around what, what happens behind the scenes. Mm. And what do you notice about um, deconditioning and then kind of, what I see, creating your own conditions. What do you notice about that for yourself and how that is for your inner community, your family? What, what do you notice about that? Hmm. <sighs> well, that it happens at different rates for everyone. That's one thing that I definitely notice. And pushing someone to decondition doesn't work. <laughs> Um, and I'm specifically thinking the first thing that popped into my mind was partner relationships. Yeah, it's huge, it's isn't it? It's so big. And it's one of the biggest questions I get in the group as well. Not always, it oscillates, but, yeah, it's something that every now and then comes up and it's big um, because, yeah, sometimes when we're on this path and we can start to see things so clearly, like we start to have all these ahas about how we're doing things and, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that or I did this. And then if they're still doing those things, you just almost want to, like, you know, grab them and shake them and, like, don't do it like that. But it, that just creates so much more friction. So I think the biggest thing I've learned with all of that is to have empathy mm -hmm. because for a period of time I started to notice everything not just within my home but outside of the home and that can breed a level of judgment and that's so not what I want to have as in in me or to receive from others because it's kind of like so I know how stifling it is, is when you feel judged by by others on your mothering journey so yeah I guess the biggest thing the muscle I've learned to flex within the deconditioning and reconditioning is empathy and just empathy for everyone where they're at and giving them time and space to find their way with deconditioning. Mm. Mm. 
It's true. And what you make me think of there is that really we're just letting go of one conditions and setting up another set of conditions if we are walking around thinking we've deconditioned exactly. and look at all those people that haven't, you know. Exactly. <laughs> we're just going from one <laughs> island of conditions to another island of conditions. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting. And so what is the greatest, um, I think, maybe hurdle that we come up against in those initial moments of revolution and bringing that into the home, do you think? It depends on the person, but I know for me specifically, because I'm such an all or nothing, it was flipping the switch suddenly and going right in. Yeah. And that being so confusing for everyone including myself, and then not really actually feeling good about what I was doing, mm-hmm. you know, doing it but with gritted teeth. And, yeah, I had to learn slowly to kind of try and pull back, pull that back and just go slowly, and that's not something I'm very good at. But, yeah, trying to just, just implement things, you know, much slower, um, nurtured way where my nervous system felt good and my kids nervous systems weren't kind of getting shot out of place either because I was like yo-yoing between Mm -hmm. you can do anything and you can't do anything (laughs) you know this like (laughs) contraction expansion contraction so I think that's the probably the biggest thing for me specifically um and I know some other mothers relate to that too yeah I certainly relate to that I remember um because my son uh, was at, in the system at one stage and then, um, yeah, he we started homeschooling, if, if that's, but life learning really is what I like to call it. Um, but I still ha- have him registered, right, because that's part of once he was in the system. So now he's, he's still sort of in the yeah. system through registration. And for me, I know that that became like a, I was like it was a thorn in my revolution, in my way of living and damn you. And when actually that when I became more empathetic to the process and was actually like, I can utilize this, I can have this as something that I, you know, like a journal or an experience that once a year or once every two years, I'm I'm having this meeting that's just sort of solidifying what it is, the way we live, the what, what we do. I don't need to be perfect at it. I don't need to um, prove myself, validate myself. It's just simply an opportunity, a meeting of minds um, to just say, hey, this is where we're at um, and kind of loosen the grip of how I think it's supposed to look. Does this make sense what I'm sharing? It does. Yeah. I mean, that thorn in my side that you just, the thorn in your side that you just described is a huge thorn in my side. Like the paperwork stuff, the having someone have to look into me, like I yeah. really relate to all of that. Like just the, yeah, the frustration of that. And it still is slightly there. Like I do still have that frustration around that, um, you know, because for me I'm like we're choosing to do this thing and I'm the mother and why should I have to jump through these hoops to prove but you know like I love how you've just explained that you don't have to see it that way you don't have to look at it as proving yourself yeah um yeah yeah Yeah. and journal piece and you know this is in the revolt membership this is why I do the quarterly planning session because mums do find this bit challenging yeah you know especially if you're not someone who likes to yeah 
do paperwork or anything like that but the journal aspect that you just explained is beautiful because it, it that's exactly what it is when you start just playing with it taking photos writing about what you're doing and it's actually really nice to look back on your entries that you've done and see all the beautiful things that you've forgotten that you've done with your child it's like it's it's actually kind of heartwarming yeah, yeah, it is heartwarming. And it's also an observation because I think it's sometimes the only moment I have that taps me back into my conditions and the way I was institutionalized and what that means and what that means about me. And so it becomes this opportunity again for me to revisit and realign with why we live the way we're choosing to live. Um, because it can be really frustrating that um, that we even have to have a governing body that tells me when I'm actually, I feel like it's such a conscious choice to educate your children and, and, and me out of anybody. Sometimes I'm like me out of anybody knows what my children are learning day in, day out. And yet I still have to yeah. quantify that in some way when there's so many parents who over the 12 years probably couldn't even pinpoint anything their child learned. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. a big journey. It's a big journey. And so what are you visioning now? Like what's present for you now um, when you're meeting your family where you're at, your work where you're at, you as a woman where you're at? Mm. Yeah, I for a long time it's been leaning into a sense of balance for me because there's been a lot of yo-yoing mm -hmm. between this is me as my work, this is me as a wife or a partner or a lover, this is me in the realm of pleasure and sexuality, this is me as mom. So for a long time I've been just kind of circling in closer and closer into how does that actually look and feel as a whole thing, you know, without all these separate compartments. Um, and it's a work in progress, to be honest, but moving forward I mean my kids are getting a little bit older my youngest is nine my oldest is 15 and he just went off and did work experience in Melbourne for a week wow um, which was amazing amazing and so confirming because he just did it so seamlessly and so well you know no issues no you know he had to be there on his own for the week with you know we've got a friend who was he was staying at the friend's house um I had to catch public transport in the big city. I had to do all these things that he's not used to doing and it was just so seamless. Wow. And, he, and it's in a field that he's interested in. Was that sort of self-directed, yeah. this work experience? Yeah, it was offered to him because the person knows that he um, is into tech, into technology. So he yeah, was in a field that he's interested in and, um, you know, he had to get up and do a debate at the end and they sent me the debate afterwards of, you know, the points that he wrote out and the whole, and I was like, just so, you know, when you have those moments of pride, I mean, I'm always proud of my children anyway, but I was just like, wow, you know, he hasn't, since we left school when he was nine and he's 15 now, the first thing he gave up because he hated it was writing. He's like, I'm not writing. I don't want to write. I'm not writing. And I was like, okay, what do we do here? Do we work around story and like language and you know, but so he's not done a workbook or sat down and done writing apart from in his, you know, day-to-day -day communications with friends or sending emails or like whatever. And I've read this thing and you wouldn't tell, you couldn't tell 
he was like, this is perfect. This is perfectly phrased. This is perfect, you know, and him and the other girl both tied on the debate, even Steve, and they both won the prize. You know, and I just thought, wow, this is just proof because sometimes, you know, even in this lifestyle, as much as I have trust, of course you question, you know, am mm-hmm. I doing enough? Am I offering enough? So for me, I think at the moment, to come back to your question, having this experience of my kids getting older and then leaning into things that for so long, so many people said things to me around, especially my oldest son, like, you need to pull him into line. He's out of control. He's too crazy. He's this. Your parenting's too too free-flowing, you know, like just all of these things coming from from, um, family and Mm. acquaintances and to keep leaning back into just trusting and opening the space to now see him in this state um, is, is really good. And it's kind of giving me a sense of letting go of my grip a little bit more around what we're doing and me as a woman and me as, um, yeah, a mother and, and a wife and all of those things just feel like now that I'm loosening my grip around this revolution because I have so much trust I can really just sink more into who I am, more of who I am as, um, and what I'm here to do. Because I feel like, okay, they're moving on. They're doing what they're meant to be doing. I feel like I'm doing everything okay. I'm doing enough. I can really just start to sink into what it is that I'm here to do. And that's essentially just to support other mums to find this balance and find this um, more joy in their connection with their kids and not feel like they have to be the one to... I think we feel so much pressure, like we've got to set our kids up for life. We've got right. to set our kids up for who they are. And it's like, actually, if you just sink into more of who you are and let give them the space and the time to sink into who they are, the rest just flows. And, you know, I I appreciate that. I feel like a friend to my kids. I don't yeah. feel like, I, of course, I'm their parent. Yeah. But I also feel like we can soften into being friends. And I and I know that's something that a lot of us were told not to ever be, to not mm. be a friend to your child, that that's damaging if you're, you're a friend to a child. And I just, yeah, so wholeheartedly disagree with that. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's like a mutual respect I'm hearing. Like a lot of, you know, sometimes I wonder, would you, would you speak to your friend the way you speak to your child? And I think, uh, wait, you're willing to hand a friendship more respect than you are the relationship between you and your child. Uh, And I think that is an aftermath of our authoritarian way of being. You know, it's only the the generation before me, my father's generation, where they were caned for doing the wrong thing, um, you know, would come home with belt lashes and, you know, all of these things that were considered, well, you deserved that. And that's we're not that far from the the existing of of that knowingness that that happened. It's in our cells. And so, you know, the the willingness to be what I hear and what you're saying in a friendship is that you're willing to be vulnerable yourself. You're willing to get it wrong. You're willing to be open to being educated by them rather than um, consistently ruling and power over. And that's the friendship piece. It's not like chummy, chummy, I'm 16 and you're 16. It's actually like there's a yeah. there's a, a respect, a mutual respect that both of you um, have a, an even playing field within that energy of that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, mm. you know, that's a point that I bring up a lot with mums. You know, would you treat a friend like that? And mm-hmm. the answer is usually no. 
And it's crazy that we don't see that. A lot of the time we don't see that. Until we see it, we don't see it. And then when we see it, we're like, oh, my God. Yes, yeah. totally. What yeah. am I doing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is. And I think that's similar in an intimate relationship too, isn't it? Like the way I act out on Elton, um, you know, the safety that we I think the safety now, it, it maybe at some stage it has been toxic, but in some way there's a safety now with the way we can act out on each other and have a laugh at it or turn around and, and still love each other, still offer each other the hand of love, yeah. even though the behaviour is, um, you know, not at its most yeah. quality. <laughs> yeah. you know, And you know what? I feel like this kind of way of being, just to add on to that last question as well, in terms of reimagining like a future or where we're heading as humans, like if we can get these relationships in the home, right, like if we can truly let go of trying to instill our values and our way of being onto our kids, of course we want to inspire them through our values and what's important to us and share that for sure. But if we can still then give them the space to be themselves and find their own way through, and sometimes that might look like doing and living in ways that are not necessarily the way we would choose or hope for them because, you know, let's, you know, how many billion people are there in the world and how different are we all? We're all very different. We all have very different ideas about what a good life is. And so I feel like if we can get that right in our, in our own homes, then that's the kind of, that's the piece that we've been looking for in terms of, you know, those of us who feel like we want to change the world or we want to have more peace in the world or we want to have this new earth kind of environment, like that doesn't happen just through, you know, these beautiful intentional communities where everyone thinks the same way. It happens through this diversity and this opening into really, yeah, giving people the space to live and be Yeah. Yeah. I love what you're saying because I think that's been, um, for me, really highlighted and exacerbated over the last couple of years when we've come up against the pandemic and, you know, whatever you, you want to call it. For what for me has been aroused is really where rather than, oh, you know, that we're all opinionated and there's either this fence or the other fence. What it had for me was really go, where am I blindsided? Where am I cognitively dissonant? You know, where am I saying that it's got to look like this when actually it's really nuanced and it can look many different ways? And so it was sort of an ability for me to go, wow, as human beings right now, we really are trying to get this sense of belonging through you agree with me, right? you agree with me. And if you do agree with me, then you can come and sit with me over here when actually how delicious is it? And I'm sure you get to do this with your group work is when we can sit and be with each other, even when we think completely different things, and yet we can still hold each other's hands or offer each other a look of love. Yep. Exactly. And then take that into doing that with your kids and, you know, Mm. yeah. Because it can be really challenging. I've noticed as my kids get older as well, they will question things. They will come up and disagree with the way I'm doing something. And that's difficult too, especially if you're trying to find your worth and your sense of self in the way you parent and receiving their reflection of like, you're such a good mom, you're the best mom, you know, like... If you're, if you're wanting only that, and there are, of course, periods of that. I mean, I love that when my little one puts his arms around me and tells me I'm the best mom in the world. That's beautiful. I love that. And, of course, I want to lean into that. But at the same time, 
it's okay for them to to question my values and to question how I do things in the world and yeah. that to be a brilliant opening into conversation and connection yeah. around difference. Yeah. Yeah, and who knows where it's going to lead. That's what I remind myself when there's behaviour that's coming from my child or a sense of self that I see that I kind of go, oh, I might label that as unhealthy or, you know, that's going to lead to this. I'll make it up in my head um, and I'll catastrophize some sort of, you know, they'll be rocking backwards and forwards in a dark room on yeah. Meds, meds for the rest of their <laughs> lives, you know, and, and I start to go down some sort of dark rabbit hole. Yeah. And then I think, but maybe, just maybe, I don't know where this is going to lead and this might be the stepping stone for them to step into my values, but they need to do that in their own in their yeah. own pace and in their own development and in their own time. Yeah. Um, they might circle back round, but it looked very different, the path yeah. they took than the beautiful, yes. you know, um, rose rose trodden path that I have available for them on the right-hand side if they just turn their gaze, you know? Yeah, yeah. And actually, I've got a really good story about that. I don't know if we've got much time, but yeah, um, I listened to this beautiful, I think it was Pam Larikia actually interviewing a grown unschooler and a gaming, he, he was a gamer because this is obviously a huge fear with a lot of parents and especially in the radical unschooling world because a lot of kids, when they have free reign, they want to use tech. And um, anyway, this boy grew up and he he was being interviewed. He was already in his 20s, I think, while he was being interviewed. And he was a, um, yeah, he was a gamer growing up. And I think he said something like, you know, essentially all I did in a lot of my uh, teenage years was game non-stop I was gaming and then he was explaining what he liked about the game he said there was something so freeing about just grabbing a backpack most of the games he played were these kind of um you know like almost uh, army style like get your backpack get your weapons and go on and he's like it wasn't because I wanted to go shoot people it was this freeing aspect of putting on this backpack and the world's your oyster and anyway growing up as an adult, he now works for the environment and travels the world with just his backpack. He's a minimalist. And again, it's just like that experience, what he was getting out of it, maybe he wasn't even clear in the moment. He just loved doing what he was doing and connecting with other people playing this, these particular games. But that led into this passion and this love for the environment and doing environmental mm. work and traveling around the world with just his backpack. And I just thought that was such an interesting, I remember listening to that that podcast and thinking, wow, okay, you never know where these things are leading. You never no. know what. And sometimes it's with smaller things. Sometimes it's not with such big things like that. Like you might notice something that they're doing. And within a year or something, that thing has shifted. Totally. You just give it time and space, that thing's totally shifted. And yeah. it's not what you're Totally. You know, but it's like a building block, you know. I see it like a building, like a Jenga, you know. It's like a building block block for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And depending on your child, you might actually be able to really see a rhythm in them. And, a, and you know, I know with my son who's almost 10, he has this obsessive, you know, he'll obsess over something until it's completely pulled apart and frayed at the edges yeah. and then he's ready to kind of move or expand into the next version of himself. Yeah. 
It's really delicious. You said earlier um, about the ecstatic motherhood, that there's this element for you and this question around, you know, how can we do this more joyously? How can we do the home? How can we do education? How can we do motherhood, sensuality, ourselves with more joy? So what brings you joy? Mm. So I think I touched on a couple of things, which was, you know, stoking my fire. I think the kind of they kind of go hand in hand. Um, but definitely, you know what? I feel like a lot of the time the deconditioning has helped me just to feel the joy that's actually there in the really simple moments. So good. Looking at my kids. Yeah, like lying in bed with them and just hugging them, but actually being there. Because I think so often we think we need to be more, we need to do more, we need to, and this is part of the reimagining motherhood. Like I really feel like the mother is just our role. I I often think this to the day, I'm like, if I was getting fully paid to do this work because it is work, yeah, I feel like it would so much pressure. I, I would probably still be doing the things that I'm doing, but there wouldn't be that same pressure of like, mm. I gotta do more, I gotta make more, I've gotta be more. I could just soften into the role a lot more. And I'm not saying that's for every mother, but definitely if there was more reverence and more actual Yum. I think Iceland has a really good model. I think in Iceland they pay um the parent that is predominantly at home, they pay them quite well. It's a really great my mum's always talked about this and it's stuck with me and I've Googled it a few times and looked it up. It's a great system. But, yeah, so what brings me joy that, yeah, I'm I'm learning to try and bring bring it back because I think for so long it was always about chasing these big experiences and these big moments and these um, when actually there is joy just bubbling beneath the surface all the time if I just lean in to access it in the mundane stuff. So, for instance, if I'm in the kitchen and the house is a mess and I'm cleaning, if I put on some music and dance around at the same time, I can feel joy yeah. in the process of doing that. Yeah, um, that's really yummy, yeah. the reverence then, and the presence. You know, mm. Yeah, the reverence and the presence. And then the bigger things, you know, things that like art, Art is something that I'm trying to lean into and do more. I've got all my art stuff just in the corner here because that really brings me joy. Creating things brings me joy. Um, Connection with my kids, like travelling in the car and everyone talking Mm. in the car and sharing, that Mm. brings me joy. Yeah, it's so true. I was recently listening to a talk on plant medicine and um, one one of the guys that was speaking to it said, you know, what's the point of plant medicine if you can't find the joy in the mundane? Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. I think we're if we're chasing this, this um, you know, elusive availability to the massiveness of earth and the expansiveness and, and yet we can't just simply be in the presence of the mundane and still, still hold that safe re- same reverence, then, yeah. you know, I mean, that's where we're going to exist most of the time. The plant medicine is the commercial break from the mundane. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I sunsets are a big one for me. Like the, that dusk time, I always get really excited by the sky. And my kids see that and it's really great for your kids to be in the presence of seeing that you're excited by life, by the mundane yes. things in life too. 
And because I recently, my oldest son ran down, he's like, Mama, Mama, I must have been busy. Have you seen the sky? You know, like, because he knows mm. how much I love the sky. And he reminded me to take that pause and to go and have a look. So which, glorious. You know, yeah, I think I think those little simple things are so important. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being so delicious and for honouring the journey and the process of coming to what feels good and true and right for you and leaning more into who you are and bringing that into the home um, so that your relationships can benefit and so that you can be supportive to those that are wanting to feel more peace, more richness and more connection in their own lives. Deeply appreciate you, Vanessa. Thanks, Kelly. Hmm. Thanks for the chat. And I will pop in the show notes where people can find you. Um, Is there anything that you're offering right now that people can kind of jump right into if they're sitting with, you know, I feel like there's so many people right now that are curious about shifting their lifestyles um, and you'd be a great point of call to connect with. So is there some way people can jump right in? Yeah, so I do do um, sliding scale mentoring as well, whether it's for the radical unschooling side of things or the natural parenting, you know, natural learning or the, yeah, um, and that can be like a 30-minute or an hour chat where they come right. in and, like I said, sliding scale. So that's if you just want to kind of get a taster and, like, nut some things out or you've got some really uh, big thing that's a challenge that's happening in the home at the moment and you just want to talk it through and get some guidance. Otherwise, obviously, we've already spoken about the Revolt membership. Um, that one is actually, if someone is already on the path and they're wanting that continuous support, that one's only $29 a month at the moment and it's going up in December. Mm. So if, if someone's like, oh, that group sounds really good, now's the time to lock in like that lower price because it's going to double from December onwards. Just because, Yeah, and I will say with 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 a container like this, I know for myself, um, and I know that you spoke to, you know, doing a mentoring for for a year yourself with Dana, that having this kind of community and support when you're living on the edge and wanting to create something that is revolutionary, it's also mundane and it's also requires yeah. your, your own um, courage, that that kind of can be so supportive when you're just expressing the day-to-day with other mothers who also want to, um, you know, live and reside on the edge. So do jump in and, um, yeah, and and feel what it means to have um, camaraderie and connection when you're wanting to stay curious in your life. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you so much, Vanessa. I always appreciate connecting with you and I'm sending you so much love. Haven't had enough already? Connect with me on Instagram at Cali Coach. 